Hey, Michael, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm good. You know what? It's almost Halloween again. You know what that means, right? Oh, man. That means we got to go figure out what, what costumes we're going to wear this That's year. That's right. And, you know, this year I was thinking maybe we should do a couple's costume. What do you think? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. This, is the, this, is the, this is the lead in here, folks. All right. So, uh, you know, I was over on HalloweenCostumes.com and I was looking through the couple's costumes and I happened to notice some relevant costumes to us. Matter of fact, number one on the, uh, the list there is A League of Their Own. So we oh, could actually really? dress up as the sisters from A League of Their Own. What do you think? Oh, sounds wonderful. <laughs> sounds delightful. Yes, that sounds, uh, you know. Or, or there's a Batman and Robin, although I think we're going to have to, like, uh, figure out who's going to be Batman and who's going to be Robin. <laughs> Is there any really a debate on that one? I don't know about that. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> one of us could be the cat in the hat. The other one could be Thing 1. But then we That's we're true. lacking Thing 2, I guess. I, um, I like the gender-bent Dumb and Dumber set. Do you see that with the top hats and the orange and blue suits? I do. <laughs> see that that is that so we could is, like reverse gender bend it back yes. to to uh, to us maybe <laughs> i do like the fred flintstone and the dino the dinosaur that's pretty good yeah ghostbusters that's always a classic <laughs> i feel like that's been done a lot like we gotta figure something that's really you know true to this show something kind of kooky and i don't well, know it's not true to this show but i think i found our costume because i just found hugh hefner in a bunny outfit and i'm calling <laughs> dibs on hugh so uh well, great thanks yeah, so anyway if you guys would like to look for some cool halloween costumes and you're trying to figure out something that'll work for you head over to halloweencostumes.com we've partnered with them the last few years as part of the retro network so if you check out their site right now and enter the promo code trn halloween 2022 you can get 20% off, wait for it, your entire order, guys. Take a look, check it out. TRN Halloween 2022 for 20% off your entire order now through October 31st. And I beg you, please do not order us Hugh Hefner in a bunny costume. <laughs> please, please, I beg you, do not. Thank it's, you. No, that's fine. I, I did it already. Bye. <laughs> Great. The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And, and this, this is, is Box, Box Office, Office 30. 30. To box office 30s review of captain ron <laughs> i'm pete and as usual i'm joined by 
the swab. How you doing, Michael? <laughs> you were going to call me that. I knew that was coming. I'm like, he's going to call me a swab. I can feel it. I'm well, thank you. I'm a little congested. I'm a little fall cold, but I'm, I'm otherwise fine. And I got to start off by saying I did not hate this I movie as much as I hated What About Bob. <laughs> I will say I did chuckle. There was uh, several genuine laughs. I will give it that. That being said, I do have many thoughts, but we'll get so into. So we'll it do we like into. a little like equal and opposite to what we did last time because I don't know about you out there in listener land. I don't know. I kind of liked that format last time. The one thing I'll say that I realize about doing that format is if we have a lot of complaints to make, it makes for a whole show. If we really liked a movie, I don't know if it makes for a whole show. So maybe we'll flip uh, flip ourselves around here this time. You'll tell me what you don't uh, particularly like about about Captain Ron, but. Um, for me, I had a lot of fun watching this again and joined me for at least a portion of it. Um, and I will say none of my family wanted to watch uh, it with me. I had to watch it on my phone alone. <laughs> no one was, but like, was up was to this the movie. movie that they watched not too long ago. And like your mother-in-law was like, I was going to take notes on it. What was the one that they were there with you for? League of their own. And they were they, like they were watching me yeah. take notes. <laughs> so. So here's the thing, right? Like, again, at least where I came from and grew up, there was a bunch of people who were fans of Captain Ron because that's how I eventually got to see it. I don't think I saw this one, you know, certainly in theaters because it's, you know, not for a kid of our age at that point in time. But it kind of had hit that cult following by the time I was probably in like middle or high school. And so people were. We definitely saw it in VHS. Yeah, people were were watching it there and then. And like, I don't know. I got to say, like, I'm really surprised. That at least on your end, everybody's kind of like, no way. Because, like, you know, out in voter land there, at least we had enough people to get it over the top for this month. You know what I mean? So there's definitely Captain Ron fans out there. Um, What I would say is, again, for me watching it, no surprise. I loved it. You know, if it wasn't laugh a minute, I at least had like a smile on my face the whole time. I actually kind of forgot like how many like weird little just like dumb quips and things like that were, you know, kind of popped in throughout this. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, like, there was stuff that, like, I definitely, like, laughed out loud at that I had completely forgotten about. There was definitely the stuff that was in the trailer that was funny that you and I were sort of like, oh, God, this does seem to make up a lot of the major um, highlights of the movie. And I think it still does, having rewatched it. Like, yeah. I think, like, some of, like, the really funniest stuff is definitely... Um, some of the things that they were in the showing trailer. in the trailer, but that said, I had other stuff where, like, if I had milk, I'd be spitting my milk out if <laughs> if, I, if I was drinking any while I was watching it because there was definitely some stuff I had forgotten that was like really um, great, uh, just like little like one liners and things like you know like reactions to each other like on the boat and things like that that were really good. Um, so so I don't know what's your hot take? I, you're 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 not as bad as what about Bob? But that's not that's kind of a low bar in my mind. <laughs> So there were genuine moments where I literally laughed. Um, There were certain moments that I kind of rolled my eyes and cringed at a little bit. And I think a lot of it stems from Martin Short. And and I I would say I almost feel like – here's my my hot takes on this thing. First, I don't think this movie probably was originally called Captain Ron. They probably renamed it because they knew that Kurt Russell was so funny in it. Um, Though he's sort of like pre-Snake Plissken in this movie. It's almost as if like – this is Snake Pl- Plissken before the world ends kind of thing is what I – my feeling on it. Um, Imagine if this is the other a, a prequel 
<laughs> to escape from New York or escape from LA. I mean, obviously, like Escape from New York comes out in '81, but they could always go back into a retroactive. But imagine like yeah, this guy, like because he's got the eye patch. Imagine like yeah. in fact, Captain Ron like has to become like some hardcore guy. Like a few years. Well, he says he's in, he's in the navy. He's uh, like he knows about <laughs> guns. He's dealt with you know the pirates of the Caribbean and mercenaries and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, see, there is, is a universe. Yeah, but I got to build on that now. I'm sorry, we're gonna have to go on a tangent here. But like, it, like I was actually gonna save for the end of this. Like maybe like let's do like a fan cast or like what would you do if you were rebooting Captain Ron? But I'm gonna do it right now because all of a sudden in my mind I can't think of anything but the fact that Ron Rico actually becomes Snake Plissken and that in this world like that they're set up in, let's just say like at the end of the movie, you know, like Martin Short and them decide like they don't go back um, to his job in Chicago or whatever. Like somehow, some way, like that decision, like splinters the timeline, right? And like, because Martin Short <laughs> doesn't go back, he doesn't get like a promotion to become like a super successful guy at this company. And instead, like that company goes on to be like some sort of like Skynet type of place. And like the world goes to pot. And then you get Snake Plissken, <laughs> AKA Ron Rico, having to do Escape from New York. <laughs> <laughs> there is a universe where I that would, exists. I would love you. that if if it was the spiritual successor <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> because the funny part about this, and I was going to bring this up just like, you know, on, on my notes, I get the impression that Ron Rico is definitely more than meets the eye that like we kind of right. get like this insight into him that he has like the, you know like we don't know if he's telling the truth about certain things right we, we don't, don't know, know if he really was story like is. you know like the guy that drove the ship on the saratoga or whatever maybe but like you know especially when you see him at the end of the movie and he's got a whole new look and he's about to take like another yeah, like he, couple he, out like it kind of looks like a you know don johnson in miami exactly, vice yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, we you get like this like impression that like maybe there's more to him than we realize. You know what I mean? And like you know, he sort of makes right, like I'm telling you a comment about like you know uh, that he got in with like the pirates and that he crossed them and got on the wrong side and it gets really messy um, and like we don't really know what happened there. So like there's. There was also a, a, a one-off line at the end of the movie where they say that he, he hasn't been back in the States for seven years due to yes. statute of limitations. <laughs> like, there's something going on where this guy is actually going to become Snake Plissken. I'm think telling you. I'm, I, think, I think we hit the nail on the head here. <laughs> so speaking of the recasting part of it, I feel like Martin Short may not have been the first person they thought of for this movie. I didn't do any research on it. But so I let feel me fill like... in the gap for you then because I did a okay. little bit of research as I usually do. And so other people um, that were considered for this role um, and maybe you'll be surprised by this. Maybe you won't. Steve Chevy Martin, Chase, Billy Steve Crystal. Martin, Billy Crystal, John Candy and John Ritter. <laughs> so they apparently I... were always angling for this sort of like action star playing the goofball and comedian playing the straight man thing. So let's mm -hmm. take a minute to like talk about that, you know, because I know that you say that a lot of this um animosity that you have seems to stem from Martin Short then. So is it is it that dynamic? Is it the the flipping of the typical, you know, roles or No, I just I just I don't find him uh charming. Like, you know, like you even Captain Ron is as kind of doofy and and weird as he is, he's got some charm to it. Like Martin Short has moments where he's charming and other moments where he's just kind of like 
you know, kind of over the top for the sake of being over the top. I mean, and isn't that Martin Short's whole career? <laughs> I, guess, I guess so, yeah, pretty much. But, like, I could almost see Billy Crystal more in this role than Martin Short. I could see John Ritter in this role. You know, um, I you know who I would really be unhappy if I saw Charles Grodin in this role. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, great, Beethoven on C, yeah, yeah. fantastic. C is oh, funny. Okay. I mean, like for me, and and again, like I'm biased because I and it's probably movies like this that that led to it. But I'm a pretty big Martin <laughs> fan, like a Steve Martin fan. Um, but but you know what's fun? Like I, I also feel like this movie, in a way is like National Lampoon's vacation without Chevy Chase and well, his family. Is. It's and like so, the same so kind of story. this is the funny part, right? Because if you listen to last episode... It takes place in Chicago, yes. which they, the Christmas vacation takes place in Chicago. I honestly think when they're in the attic in the movie, it's the same <laughs> attic that Chevy Chase is in when he's watching the movie. It looks yeah, like it the same be. attic. Um, the funny thing for me with with this and that sort of you know thought line is like you know last time I said that Ange had said to me I can see why Michael might not like this because it's kind of like the what about Bob sort of thing and whatever, but like the funny thing with that with me and like the put upon dad and kind of like you know some of the other people that you listed I could also see those people doing that and then same thing with like you know I, I think one of the reasons why this movie works as well as it does for me and why I think I'm surprised why so many people don't like it is to me, it is like one of the vacation movies. It's kind of got, you know, like a comedian sort of playing the put upon dad and kind of all these like insane things, you know, the cousin Eddie's and all this that kind of occur to him and, you know, the situations that he gets himself into, Um, you know, I think per kind of what you said, um, Kurt Russell definitely steals the show in this movie. Oh, um, absolutely. And so at times I think he looms so large that it does overshadow a lot of the other characters. I think I was surprised um, going back and watching this that like I didn't remember the the son and the daughter having like enormous roles per se. But like I kind of found them wearing on me a little bit like and, and maybe less so the son than the daughter character. Um, like, you know, her whole job was essentially just to like show up in a scene and like find like the hottest guy around instantly and start like, you know, like being flirtatious with them much to the father's chagrin, which is again, it's like, you know, like what are those, you know, typical tropes in movies like this that you would put onto that father figure. And that's one of them certainly. Um, But you know, the whole movie, I mean, let's take a step back. Like Mike and I, I think we're going to avoid doing like some of the notes, you know, sort of thing for this, but to, to start at the start, at least, you know, get a, like a grip of where, you know, the movie starts off for anybody who hasn't watched it or seen it recently, you know, you get Martin Short's character, the aptly named Martin. <laughs> I, I always wonder how that happens in a movie or a TV show. Like if it's just that they've written this character with the actor in mind or just complete coincidence that you have like somebody like Steve Martin, who happens to be playing a guy named Martin, you know, I don't know. I digress. Or Martin Short. Uh, Martin Short, excuse me. What did I say? Steve Martin. Martin's but, but like, I almost feel like maybe they changed the name when they casted him because Martin is kind of a dorky dad. For kind sure, of yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense too. But also, I've I noticed a few times in the movie, like 
they kind of slipped and called people by different names. If you, if you listen very closely, like I think one point she calls him Mark by accident. And then another time they call the son a different name in the beginning of the movie. And I was like, oh, they yeah, I think I must have missed that. Um, I will say that one of the only things where I was rolling my eyes a little bit was the opening sequence of this movie, which is that it's Martin Short going to work and the whole elevator, yeah, the whole elevator like coffee. this, you know, like boisterous guy gets on is talking about like he sees like this like shattered window downstairs outside the building. And he's looking up at it and he's like, you know, oh, any one of us could have been walking right under that could have you know killed us and sliced us up in an instant and all this sort of thing. You know, and he's talking about like this other guy that like made it big all of a sudden and is living his best life and all this. And like, you know, he gets this letter as soon as he gets into his office that we find out is the letter that says he's inherited his uncle's boat. Um, And so he goes running off, running home. And, you know, I was just like, all right, you know, like this is definitely like a very like, you know, cliche sort of lead into, um, all right, I'm packing up and quitting this job sort of thing. Yeah. That that whole scene especially the glass part and the elevator is kind of yeah it's like there's no, like his wife isn't questioning him like why he's home because presumably it was like first thing in the morning that he's showing up to work you know and, then yeah, like his, and his children come home so like, there's a little bit of like wonky writing with with that you know sort of thing so i i will agree on that but from there on out i was pretty good on this you know the wife was working really hard working really hard and um you know the kid dumps his milk on her, on her drawings and the month's worth of work is wiped out in an instant and all this sort of thing. Um, so it, kind of a cliche start to the movie. And there's definitely a lot of cliche things in this, but I think once it, the ball gets rolling for me, especially once they meet Ron or like, actually, I think honestly it's the scene where, and you know, it's coming, but like, the scene where they're like, uh, Oh, like, you know, like how's the condition of the boat or, or he gets like, they're actually at the, um, Oh, we, you missed the one, office. One yeah, they're at the office with the guy, and he's like giving him like the box of the stuff, and it's like it's got like a like a picture of the boat, and he's like, "Oh my god, it's wonderful!" And then like it cuts from like the picture of the boat to the real thing, and it's like a real clunker. From there on out, the movie gets rolling for me, and then I'm just you know I've got a smile yeah, on my I face, so and I'm too. happy the rest of the way. <laughs> the one thing that you missed was the 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 wife at first was sort of like, "We're not going to just drop everything and go to this boat." The real, the real inciting incident is the daughter walks in and says she's you, engaged, yeah. and they're like, they're like, we're gonna get so, the heck so out of here. The funny part of the math on that is, I was coming back to say all this to bring her up. So thank you for getting me back to that. So, so yeah, it's like you know she's in this car with this like biker leather guy, except they're just in like a I don't know, like a blazer or something. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't make any like sense. They don't even roll up in like a Harley or whatever. And she's like, I'm engaged. You know, it's just like, all right. She immediately starts like just flirting with every other person out there. So she must not be that into this guy that she got engaged with. So her character I found to be really useless and annoying. Um, And like, I don't know that she ever did anything during the rest of the movie that ever like, she has the redeeming element at the end of the movie where like they have to pull the sails up and, and and she helps with that. But like, again, like, (laughs) you know, like they have like that family success, I guess you could say, but I I don't know that like that one moment, like fixed, like all of the rest of like her just like flirting and presumably still being engaged to this guy when they get back. If yeah, they she go doesn't back. have very much growth. Yeah, so she's kind of useless. You know, the kid, uh, the boy uh, played by my friend uh, Benjamin Salisbury there, um, in an almost unrecognizable um, role from, you know, knowing him later on, like the nanny and, and later in life. 
Um, but <laughs> uh, it, he's like the Macaulay Culkin for this film. You know, like yeah. he's just there to kind of have reactions to things, um, you know, and he's the, he plays the same exact role as the son in Father yeah, Brian. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of just like to have like that, like, you know, goofy, quirky little kid, you know, so he can play off of like Ron and scenes with like the whole swab thing and, um, you know, stuff like that. So really it brings it all back to just the relationship between Martin and Ron. Um, and, and Martin's to wife, an extent, Yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, somewhat throwaway at times. I kind of feel like the same way with her, you know, like, again, I, like, uh, you know, I think it's just like, I, I, one of the things I was surprised that they didn't have more of in this film is usually when you have a movie like this, it's like their relationship is on like the outs, you know, like, and you could tell that they were both like workaholics in this, but like, it didn't seem to be like really affecting them because even when he comes home and she's on the phone call and they're kind of like, you know, he's kind of like playing grab ass with her, you know, whatever. Yeah. They they have a pretty solid marriage. You know, like he makes a line at one point where like, once they discover like that the boat was in fact Clark Gables and they find like the, the initials carved in, you know, like he's doing his captain's log thing, which I actually found a lot of those to be very funny. Um, but, uh, you know, he's like, this was the best sex we had in like three years, you know, sort of thing. So you're like, all right, well, maybe you could take away that they're like, you know, not like hot and heavy. But like you also don't get the like impression that they're like in a bad way, even like when like Ron right. is going out of his way to like, you know, yeah, Get like her you know, stand behind get- her at the wheel and whatever and like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you don't ever really have a point where like, like in um, some of these other movies we've seen, like what about Bob or um, what was that one where they were out Bob on the, the river um, um, at the end? It, it's like over the, t- is that it? Is that no? What the heck? Uh, <laughs> I can't think of what it was. It was like the guy was, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, with uh, De Niro um, where he's, did we watch huh? it? Yes. We yeah, no, uh, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of it right now where he's like um, haunting the people. Like he goes to them. He's like a psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. Fear? Um, Cape fear, okay. you know, like sort of thing like that. Like even in that, you almost get the impression that like the, like he's they're, trying to like, yeah, you know, like the wife stable. is like totally like, like getting like tired and off of him and everything like that. Like it doesn't even get to that sort of level with this, you know? So like, Again, like some of those are like a little less well written and a little bit throwaway. So for me, like I don't really look at this movie as being like the ideal example of one of these movies with with like you know the families on the house with them. You know, you get these sort of moments, like for example, um, where when they're in the car in Cuba later in the movie. And, um, you know, the kids are like, you know, like, like Ron's driving them around and like they drop the dad off and like they kind of park. He's like, watch this. And he pulls into a space and turns the lights off. and The guys go driving by and the kids are like, you know, like dad's so useless. And, you know, like he doesn't help us with anything. And like you see like Ron feel really bad in that moment. Like you kind of see him like take a step back, like in the, in his facial expression. And is like, I, you know, I'm ruining these kids father in their eyes. I need to do something to fix this. Um, which then leads him to doing like the, you know, like the pratfall, like, you know, my leg leg is broke, whatever. Um, But like you have moments like that where like the kids are doing that. And so as you said, you know, you got this like doofy dad, Martin, whatever. And I think it's just like the whole movie sort of supposed to prove like, like his inability to like be the guy in the moment. And so it's just sort of slowly, you know, 
learning from Captain Ron and sort of seeing things that like he finally like, you know, either via anger or via like unconsciously learning some of the stuff becomes the guy, you know, and like sort of like becomes the right. guy to save yeah. the day in the end. Um, so I think Martin is very redeemable as a character. I think he's at least, um, you know, the every man enough where you can see yourself in him. And he has some level of growth. Yeah. I also think, you know, Captain Ron has some level of growth. And he, like you said, in that whole Cuba scene, kind of evolves a little bit and changes, which which is cool. And I'm, I'm good with that. You know, the, the story is really about the two of them. I also feel like at times, though, the Martin character is so overly annoyed with Ron <laughs> that it, it's like – it's too much. Like, like, yeah, he does some stupid stuff. Sure, fine, but like, he goes from zero to a hundred in moments, and it just yeah. Well, again, and I think they're doing that like you know typical like put upon dad, which you see in these things that like tends to get like really big mad over the top, you know, in in one of these scenarios. Um, I think for big my mad. money. That's- very dad term of you to say. <laughs> I got big man yeah. dad. I mean, for my money, like Martin Short plays that sort of level of insanity like really well. You know, like I think um, like when you see, for example, um, Steve Martin, like in things like Father of the Bride getting like that level of angry or whatever, or your buddy uh, Grodin there, like getting like really angry. It's kind of a different thing. I think Martin Short at least comes with that level of like manic energy you know, like that kind of Jiminy Glick, like, ah, you know, <laughs> like sort of willing to like just like go crazy over the top at, at the moment. I think for me, and like I see where that is for you, for me, that's what sells it. Like I think somebody else in that role, like, you know, like Chevy Chase, you've seen him play like the put upon sort of thing, you know, Billy Crystal, same sort of thing, you know, John Candy, John Ritter, whatever. I think Martin Short takes it to a different place that I'm not sure somebody else could for me, at least at that point in time when this movie's being made. Um, and that's, you know, like kind of where, <laughs> like, again, like stuff like the stupid, like um, throwaway stuff, like the captain's logs, like every one of them got funnier and funnier as it kept going. Like it they starts off very like very innocuous, like captain's log day one. We're learning to, you know, drive the boat and, and whatever. We have this guy, Captain Ron. I don't really know about him sort of thing. You know, I don't remember exactly what they said. I think it's sort of like out of his mind after <laughs> like it's it's almost like very existential. But by the end, it's like day crazy. 30, new log, old log having fallen into the hands of the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like it's so ridiculous. Like, and that's the one where he's been talking about like the statute of limitations. Like, and you can go, you know, so like, I don't know, like stuff like that is very funny for me. Um, so I, I will say, though, it's it's very predictable. I genuinely belly laughed of the sh- whole shower scene. Yeah, I was, and I remember, and I remember it vividly. But it's still, it just very funny and very awkward. And well, like while you're bringing that up really now, because like there's one thing about that that I was a little surprised by, which was like, whoa, like they're showing some stuff in that scene a bit, you know? Like, did that kind of catch you by surprise? Because I, you know, I th- one of the interesting things that I found when I was looking at some of the notes for this movie is, um, first of all, for those that, that don't know, this is a Touchstone movie, and Touchstone, especially back at this point in time, is a dumping grounds for movies that Disney did not want to put out on the actual Disney, the Disney brand. brand. Um, so this was a movie that started out 
um, its life as going to be on the Disney distribution. And then basically ended up getting pushed over to Touchstone um, because there is an F bomb. Well, that's what I say. You know, like so, like that's the funny thing. And like I'm trying to remember if this movie. I should really look it up quick. Lands in the PG thirteen or R rating because like there was some like you know female nips and things like that. That like I was just like wow. You know, I was like a little surprised by the F bomb by certain things in this movie that. Again, like, yeah, exactly, no. right? <laughs> um, but I was just like a little surprised, you know, that they went and did, given like what it was. So official ratings PG thirteen. I I could almost see this at at moments being like on the edge of an R rating, given some of the content in it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's a little surprising that that's the rating that it got. Um, but it, that scene is hilarious. Funny enough, I'll, I'll give Angela shout out again, because, uh, again, when I brought up this movie, she mentioned that as a scene that when she saw this, when she was younger, like Ange has always said to me that like one of her big fears is fear of drowning. And she's like, so when she was younger and saw this, like she was freaking out. Cause she's like, Oh my God, they're going to drown in there. The water's going to go over their head and everything. And it's like, of course, like, you know, you watch it and you're like, it's totally predictable that like somehow like Ron is going to like, you know, find them and like, you know, of course, they come pouring out of the thing, but it was like a comedy. You know, this is like I, I, what I would say is like in the vacation vein of things. It's like a comedy of errors. Yeah. It's kind of one of these things right. where it's like, you know, one innocuous thing happens, which leads to a, a bad thing, which leads to a worse thing, which leads to the worst thing, you know, and kind of how the characters deal with that. And that sort of is sort of like what gets repeated, you know, throughout this thing, you know, like, you know, like, um, the gorillas. The gorillas perfect. That's the exactly what I was just about to bring up. Like, all right, boss, don't don't leave the trail. There's gorillas in the woods. There's no gorillas in the woods here, you know, like sort of thing. Um, you know, like I'm gonna prove it, you know. So he goes off into the woods, and of course, like, oh, the other kind the of gorillas, and... you know. Um he could have said mercenaries, he could have yes, said freedom exactly, fighters. Yeah, he specifically said gorillas, not gorillas. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, but uh, like with that, you know, like it's like, OK, well, um, he goes downstairs and the kids are just like cleaning guns, <laughs> you know, like just yeah. insane. Right. So then it's just like, well, like, good thing you, you got you out of that. Well, like, why is there guns here? Well, boss, like, you know, I, I told the gorillas traded me for uh, for, you know, made a good deal with me. And he takes the guns. I'm not going to do this and goes and throws them overboard, which then, of course, leads to like, wait what was the deal? You know, like, oh, well, I just told them I'd give them passage to Sam Juan. You know, so it's again, like, that's like what keeps repeating. It's like, I'll give the guns back. And that, exactly. that be that's dead. what repeats like, throughout uh, this movie. And that's where I find it to be like a Chevy Chase and vacation sort of thing where he has like good intentions, but like somehow he's going to do something that's going to make the stuff go awry. Um, that being said, there's like definitely like, I mean, like, let's, you know, I think we've talked Martin through, um, you know, like Captain Ron, um, for my money, I don't know that they could have gotten anybody better in this than they did with him because it, like, you know, you think of uh, Kurt Russell as just being this like tough, hard ass, macho, you know, macho bad yeah. guy. And then here he is as basically like the Spicoli character, you know, like just like, yeah. like long, you know, like, you know, dreadlock kind of hair with like the, you know, like Caribbean braid with the beads in it. And like, you know, his little like beanie cap and his eye patch, you know, and he like rolls up in like some weird little like gremlin like car. Um, and he's just like a train wreck, you know, and it's just like, 
he's such like a good and fun character. And I'm glad that they kind of changed the dynamic on this. You know, like I, like I said last time, a lot of the co- critic reviews at the time were complaining that they did this flip that, you know, why isn't the comedian like the, the silly goofy character? And why don't you get like, you know, like the molten, you know, macho sort of dead, but like pretend that they reverse these roles and you've got, you know, Martin Short playing some like, you know, pirate sort of guy, you know, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll teach you to ride your boat. And then you've got <laughs> Kurt Russell as this dad, like it wouldn't have the same dynamic. It wouldn't work because like he would be too, you know, macho and too whatever, you know, it wouldn't make sense that they could have this power dynamic. The only way that this works is that you have like this, like kind of, you know, weird goofball dad. And then like this, like kind of, you know, like, over-the-top, you know, lived-in character in Captain Ron. Um, so, you know, again, like, the stuff that comes out of Captain Ron's mouth, the way that he sees the world, the way that he reacts to characters, the way that he'll put something, like, there's gorillas in the woods, you know? Like, it's just, it's so insane and ridiculous. But he's also, like, magical because, you know, he shows up and through his, like, weird way of life he teaches the family to sail and he gets them out of all these ridiculous situations and then like you know he kind of he kind of in a way teaches them how to live you know they're just kind of going through your standard routine in the suburbs and he unlocks something in this family whether it's you know the father or just in, in general which which I do find very you know in, endearing and and I I do enjoy a lot and I will say like you know there are genuine moments where he's you know teaching them and they're sh- learning what he's showing them and he's teaching it in his own sort of weird way and I think there's a, a way that he almost somewhat imprints himself a little bit on the Martin character you know with these carefree like oh we'll just pull over and ask yes, directions yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> you know, and, and and that's very charming and very nice. And, um, you know, it, it's, there, there are, there's a lot of things to like about this movie and it, it is, it is fun at times. And I, I really genuinely laughed, you know, like there's the, the moment where the woman's in the water, they, Which, they land by the way, island. also super duper echoes Christmas vacation. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like it literally feels like a ripple of, Christmas vacation where there's this beautiful woman off in the distance and this nerdy guy, Martin is, is waving to her and he, and she thinks he thinks that she's waving at him. And then Ron walks over and it's like, Oh, Hey, it's a, uh, you know, so-and-so and uh, blah, 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 blah. He's like, Oh, she's waving at me. And he actually asks her and she's real and he dives off and he goes and spends the night with her. And it's just this sort of fun, very Christmas vacation esque trope. <laughs> But they played it a little bit differently. Dialogue, like back and forth. It's like, like she's waving. Oh, she's not waving at you. Uh, she, she's waving at me sort of thing. It's like, no, no, I think she's waving at me. It's like, no, Ron, you have to understand. She's like, well, let's ask her. Hey, Clarice. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> Who are you waving at? <laughs> and I just love that Martin Short would just be like, oh, yeah, it was it was me that, uh, you know, she was trying to, like, talk to or communicate like this. Yeah, very, very silly. You know, w- w- one of the things that I found very funny is, you know, they, they actually get to San Juan 
which I don't really know why they were just going there other than just to like do a touristy kind of thing. But, you know, they, they lose the family in some like carnival event and the, they end up going to the police, I guess. We, we, they, they jump over a large <laughs> portion, but we, we cut to uh, Martin and his wife. I forget her name in the, in the movie um, are behind bars. And you're like, what happened? And she kind of through exposition tells it, you know, you really didn't need to tell them we brought mercenaries to the yeah. island. <laughs> it's like, and then he's some, like, like, I was just trying know, to illustrate who Captain Ron is as a person or something like that. <laughs> and and they they basically get like extradited off the island, and as they get brought back by the police to the boat, there's this huge party going on. And Ron, they find out that Ron like said, "Hey, so we didn't get lost. We brought the whole party to yeah. our boat." <laughs> It's like this quirky, funny thing. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that guy yeah. doing that. I, totally I think one that. of my other favorite things is the dry rot thing. Like anytime there's anything like falling off the boat, it's just like, oh, you got a little dry rot there, boss, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I think one of my favorite, favorite ones then is when the anchor goes overboard and he loses the anchor. Yes. And so like you just start <laughs> seeing like some mental math going on and he, he like duct tapes bricks to the kid's feet. And he's like, all right, when you get down there and find the anchor, tug on the rope and I'll pull you up. And like he like turns and sees like Martin in the distance. He's like, on second thought, never mind. But like if Martin was just standing there, he was gonna apparently throw this kid overboard with bricks tied to his feet. It's like there's so many things like that that are brilliant. Like I love one of the other ones is like when they're um sailing and they get to the storm and it's just like, oh, it's just a little squall, you know? And it's just like no, don't worry. We're almost there. And it's like, how do you know we're there? Tell us how you know we're there. And it's like, because we had exactly enough fuel to get to San Juan and we're out of fuel. You know, it's just like, it like somehow works. It's like, it's perfect. I love stuff like that. Like it just like that makes it for me. <laughs> I'm going to change that dynamic in a quick moment here. So in the beginning of the movie, when they first meet Captain Ron and he says certain things, Martin sort of like, reiterates what he says and oh yeah it's totally normal this is normal that's normal this is the way it is yada 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 later on in the movie when we get to that you know storm he does the same thing again and it's almost like they they didn't need that part because it's like all right now he doesn't trust the guy but yet he's still regurgitating what he says and it's it's almost like it doesn't feel like it needed to be there it almost could have been like but how do you know? You keep saying this, and it's like the map blew away, the compass blew away. You know, <laughs> at least we've got our trusty compass. Wing. <laughs> you could tell that that thing was just hooked to a rope or something because it made no sense how it just launched straight off the thing. <laughs> just torpedoed off. So one of the funniest things early on in the movie when they first get to the boat, we're jumping all over the place, but that's fine. The the son gets pushed into the water by the by the sister by the daughter. And he's, you know, flailing around and Martin grabs the the um, life preserver and, and throws it in and it just <laughs> like and it's such a predictable moment, but just but the it's way it's so sort of wonderful. Goes, oh. Like it's so great because it's just like you throw like the kid didn't even need it. He's just like floating there in the water <laughs> and he throws it. I think he sunk like a brick. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. It's like, oh boy. So you know, there's a lot of really funny elements in this movie. You know, that random airplane restaurant on the island where the mercenaries yeah. were. It's so bizarre. You know, I, I I wonder, though, if they needed that whole dancing scene with 
Captain Ron and uh, and the wife in the movie. I mean, I think it's just again playing into that dynamic of of you know making Martin Short feel jealous and that like he's losing his wife or whatever. But he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there in that scene where they're dancing. Like he's already off in the woods. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I guess like he's like storming off because he's mad about it. And I don't know. I think I think it's like a a window into the fact that like the wife and the kids clearly know how to have like a little bit more of a good time and just like get into as you put it, you Go know, like living home. life rather than like you know stressing over everything and i guess martin's just not there yet um but again like so like something else i wanted to point out like in the vein of like that life preserver is a lot of these like other like little like throwaway lines that they have again like all the way back in the beginning you know like he says like the island's name of where they have to go get the boat and like the wife is like trying to think about it translate it she's like that means potato. And he's like, no, I'm sure it's not. And she's like, no, it means Saint Potato. You know, and like, there's just like, there's lines like that. And there's like another one later in the movie um, where <laughs> like the daughter's complaining. Like, I thought if we were going to the Caribbean, we'd be going to like actual spots in the Caribbean. And Captain Ron's like, well, do you know Saint Croix? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, we're going to that <laughs> island to the left of it. <laughs> it's in Ted's Island. <laughs> It's just like Ted's. <laughs> yeah, that one is good. It's that's a very like good. That like, and that's my sense of humor. So that might be where I'm landing more in this, you know, type of a movie because it's like that sort of just. Like I said, I genuinely did enjoy a lot of the movie. I did laugh at a lot yeah. of parts. You know, the when when they get the boat taken away from them by the Pirates of the Caribbean and they're on the life raft and they end up landing in yeah. Cuba and. You know, he's walking and he's reading the sign, and he's like, "Get back on the boat! Get yeah. back on the boat!" They're like, oh, we're, "We're on land!" And he walks over, and they're trying to figure out what it says, and he just puts his hands over the no on Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, there's a, a, that's like it's like so silly, and like this is like I guess the thing. Like the more I think about this. I'm kind of realizing, you know, like you were talking about before, like Beethoven on the sea. I, the more I think about this, this movie is Christmas Vacation on the sea. Because, yeah, like, so. you know, there's things like that, you know, um, where it's like, you know, you have like these like completely pretend, like just insane scenarios. Like that these pirates would steal their boat. They'd be sitting there on a life raft and would show up like 100 yards away from their boat somehow, you know, in Cuba, you know, kind of over the top thing. But like, you know, there's scenes like um, I was going to bring up like the sander and you can see it coming. You know, it's like he's like trying to the kids yeah, trying to use the, 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 you know, electric sander. It's not running. And like, you know, Martin Short standing at the edge of the boat. Captain's like, oh, don't worry, squab. I'll go down there and fix that for you. And like goes down and like flicks the light switch. And it's like a mirror. It's almost like this this movie's like a study in in Christmas vacation like flicks on the light switch and then it's like got this like like the same like hallelujah moment where the lights come on except in this case the sander goes flying and sends him overboard and I have to bring up you that every time that Martin Short goes overboard he goes like ah <laughs> it's like it's like the best noise and it's like I almost wonder if they they got that noise one time and then used it several more times in the movie cuz like every time he goes over it's that same like ah. <laughs> But the Sander moment is very much like when Chevy Chase falls off the roof and the yeah. ice shoots into <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus' house. Because it's it, almost the same camera yeah, angle yeah. and the way the tiles. That is pretty funny. Um, there's another moment that made me laugh. Um, so 
I, I got to bring up the flare gun. Yes. <laughs> so a flare gun well, at, at one two point, points, right? The like, first one that's worth mentioning is when he gets mad over that thing with that woman, Clarice, and he's like, he's like, I can't do this. I might shoot the woman. <laughs> he's, he's about to like, she gets so mad. He's going to shoot the, the flare gun at Captain Ron. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he blinds himself for oh a couple of God, days. That's like so flare. good. I forgot to mention that. Yes, <laughs> the, the flare falls through the floor and it's like inside the boat and he can't see it. He's like clocks his head on the tree. <laughs> it's, it's almost like Batman 66 where he's like, I don't know where to get rid of this yeah. bomb. There's something you just can't rid of well, the like bomb. The, the wife yeah. comes down the steps. She's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. Are you still there? <laughs> But they bring the flare gun back later when the Pirates of the Caribbean are chasing them, and she uses that to shoot their boat and disables their boat, and the kid goes, Mom, where'd you get that flare gun? <laughs> but it's not that. It's the Coast Guard ship. No. no she they, shoots she the shoots flare gun, the but the flare. giant explosion is the Coast Guard ship having shot their gun at the at the thing. Oh, I, I thought the flare cut the boat out. Yeah, but that's that's the the subversion of the humor is that they're like, "Whoa, where'd you get that flare exactly. You know, but oh. yes, no, it's it's in fact the Coast Guard uh, ship having having shot the a warning shot across their bow. Because <laughs> oh, I, I like I'm sitting there watching on my phone and I'm like, "Yeah, where did she get that flare gun?" <laughs> That's really funny. But listen, overall, look, we're genuinely laughing about this movie. There is a lot of funny elements to it and funny parts. And, you know, and we we all knew by the end of the movie that the boat was going to be fixed up and beautiful and pretty. And, and they, you know, turn around and they don't sell the boat. They just go off into the sunset. Um, and, you know, Captain Ron now is a captain of a smaller boat with this little couple. And, you know, I actually even love that little- too. Like that whole little scene. It's like, uh, Oh, he backs the thing out. I was like, Oh, forgot to cast off. <laughs> you know, just take the whole cleat right off the dock. <laughs> and then, uh, they're just like, uh, doing that same line from earlier in the movie. Like, like, Oh, don't we have to watch where we're going? It's like, no worry. They'll get out of the way. <laughs> you know, like they're just like the end of the movie is just them heading towards like, this massive, like, tanker ship or something like that <laughs> yeah that's absolutely <laughs> brilliant <laughs> so overall what what other final thoughts do you have again i think this movie's brilliant i'm very grateful that this is the movie that got voted for this month because it was up against some stiff competition in my mind um and so i was you know i just it was a good laugh um i think again for me a good comedy doesn't have to be something where I'm like laughing and laughing and laughing. Although there was definitely a lot of this movie that I'm laughing and laughing at a good comedy for me, a good solid comedy is a movie where I just have a smile on my face. Most of the movie. And that's this movie for me. Like it just like, it just is so perfect in what it is. Um, The more I look at it now, having rewatched it, like I can definitely see it almost seems like it's borrowing a lot of elements heavily from movies like the vacation movies, which are just, you know, like the pinnacles of how to do a comedy movie. Um, So I, you know, I see where that works Um, again. Martin short, I think is great in this. (laughs) And I think um, the dynamic between the two of them is what sells the movie for me. Um, So a plus, (laughs) how about you? I, I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought, and I had a lot of fun watching it. I watched it in in basically one and a half sittings, so I'll give it 
I'll give it an A minus. Sure, I'll give it an A minus. I'm, I'm I'm fair. I'm I'm an open minded person when it comes to that. So I'll give it an A minus. Cool. Fair enough. So I started saying earlier, you know, I was going to say like, you know, what would you do differently about this movie, whatever. And so we kind of have our our <laughs> I think our sequel, our sequel for this one, which would be. Uh, Yes, <laughs> leading into Snake Plissken. But let me pitch you this. If if they were going to film this movie today or if they were going to film a reboot of it, who would you cast as Ron and Martin? Um, well, I mean, McConaughey as Ron is kind of a nail, nail on the head sort of thing. But if I want to go a little bit more obscure and go with a character, an actor who's generally seen as a serious actor to play Goofy, I'd say like Ryan Gosling as the Ron character to see if he could actually pull it off as a different kind of persona. And the Martin character, I feel like this is going to be a weird pick, but I'm going to say he, he needs to reboot his career as Jason Biggs. Interesting. Okay. I can see that. How about you? All right. I've got my two rare to go. So, uh, John Mulaney in the Martin role. I think, okay, I think he, enough. you know, has that kind of like, you know, his way of being like that. Okay. We're going to do this now, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> like I, I can see him being like, you know, he's at like that age now, like us where you could see him like as being like the father to like some, you know, youngish kids, whatever. Um, and I think he'd be very fun in kind of like that put upon dad sort of um, role. And then my Ron would have to be because coming out of all the stuff he's been doing lately, and he's just as killing it. Chris Hemsworth, um, I think, would be an amazing Captain Ron. <laughs> okay, I can see that. I yeah. can see that definitely. That's a good. That's a good pull. I was. I was even leaning kind of Chris Evans as a possibility because he does do funny very well. But yeah, Chris Hemsworth is, is a very good yeah. pick. A- any of the Hemsworths. Yeah, Hemsworth. I love to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just all the pop up here yeah. and there. Great. Speaking of that, um, do you want to talk about Love and yeah, Thunder? So or no? Michael and I were chatting. You know, normally we save um, for the next month um, when we do our new and new to you um, section. We talk about some of the movies we've seen. But uh, you know, a while back I had seen Thor: Love and Thunder in the theaters. I've seen it again since, and Michael finally saw it over on Disney Plus. And he's been itching to talk about it. And we were saying to ourselves, like, let's see how this episode plays out um, and, and we'll see if we get to it or not. So, yeah, let's let's absolutely talk about it. So so what was your what was your take on Love and Thunder? OK, <laughs> uh, I mean, just from that, I can see certain- that we're almost already going to be diametrically opposed on this one. Yeah. There are certain parts of it that I did enjoy. There are a lot of it that I was bothered by. I feel like. First of all, it's it's definitely a step down from Ragnarok. Um, it also sort of takes a step back in the characterization of Thor, where he has a lot of growth and changes through Endgame and everything else. And now he comes on as this like real doofy <laughs> sort of moron in the beginning of the movie. Um, and I understand it's because he's you know you know still kind of heartbroken or what have you, and you know, but it just feels a little bit over the top. Um, I, uh, there are certain parts where like they're in new Asgard and you have the, the, uh, you know, Matt Damon comes back and they do the whole, pl- that stuff's That's hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I think that, I like uh, that little like bit too, 
like a little later in the movie when they're having the more serious meeting and like he says yep. something <laughs> like, you know, maybe we should make a show about this. Nobody's saying not to. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, that stuff's very, very funny. I think Christian Bale steals the show by far. He's like playing this thing heavy where everyone else is sort of like, um, I, I, I feel like they underplayed uh, the significance of the Mighty Thor character. And um, some of the visual effects really bothered me. They looked really not well put together. In so like, what parts. would be an example of that? Because I don't know if I caught that. When they are flying the boat back to Asgard, it looks like, you know, it's sort of just overlaid in the thing. It looks kind of crummy. Um, certain elements, there's certain Can things. I say yeah. my favorite part with the boat is when they're heading to the dark planet and you have this like thing where it's like, oh, they've still got a long ways to go. And then it's just like, boom, they just like run into it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess here's the thing. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Are you? No, so, no, no, I mean, uh... Thor is such an interesting arc in the MCU because, like you said, this character in the first two movies is so serious as sin. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people would say to you, like, what's your least favorite MCU movie? And they would point at Thor The Dark World. Oh, by and far. So, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Chris Hemsworth, I've heard interviews with him talking about it, that he was like, you know what? I I think I'm going to duck out of this. Like, people are unhappy with the way that this character's going. Um, I'm unhappy with the way that this character's going. And he sort of quotes um, Kevin Smith. Like, Kevin Smith on one of his podcasts had said something along the lines of, like, you know, they, they needed to just, like, do something lighter with this character and do something a little bit different. And he sort of says that, like, you know, when it came to then going and doing Ragnarok, like, he was a big proponent of going, like, you know what, if I'm going to come back and we're going to do this, we need to kind of shake up what this character is. We need to go a different direction with it. Um, So that being said, leading into this movie, um, because I had not read them, I made a point to go back and read the Thor run, dealing with Gore the God Butcher, and the Mighty Thor story arc with um, the reveal that, like, you know, who is this mystery woman Thor revealing at the end that it's yeah. um, Jane, Jane Foster, Foster and, and the element. Fact. He's going to show me something that you guys can't see on the radio. <laughs> I got right here. <laughs> this is cool. the uh, the issue of Thor number eight where it's revealed that uh, Jane Foster is the Mighty Thor. So I had that just sitting there. Um, but... You know, so what's interesting is trying to make those story arcs jive with what they ultimately did in this movie. Now, I'm a huge fan of Ragnarok. I loved it. I loved what they did with it. Um, I'm like Taika Waititi for life now. I like right out of that movie, I went and checked out like a bunch of his other stuff, like what we do in the shadows, um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, I think that's the name of it. Um, several others and like, you know, I, just great brilliant totally up my alley sense of humor so the sense of humor works for me in this um you know the screaming goats and everything like i i just love stuff like that like it's so over the top like my kids will have taylor swift on (laughs) i have to do like the screaming goat part during that one song um but 
what is interesting is trying to see how they tried to make that lighter, sillier, as you say, kind of doofier sort of version of Thor jive with what are two pretty serious comic arcs, um, like the Gore the God Butcher right. arc um, is is kind of dark. You know, I mean, it's 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 very violent. Um, it's sort of. Uh, deals with Thor back in time, Thor now and Thor in the future and sort of like, you know, like that this guy has been like massacring gods for like millennia and all this sort of thing. Um, And I think to an extent they made it work. I can see where a lot of Thor purists out there are going to look at this and be just mad, mad, mad um, because it, if you're going purely off of like, this is how Thor acts in the comics He's very serious. He's a warrior. He's a Viking. He's an Asgardian. And then you like put that with, you know, like, uh, have your first beer, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like Stormbreaker, you're mad at me sort of thing. Like, I can see where people are going to be like, this is not working for me. And it's and it's annoying. I'll say I, I, I'm no Thor purist. I mean, I've read a handful of Thor star- stories. I just I, I just don't know where, you know, I, I, I almost think they went silly too far and by the end of the story when it kind of comes back around i don't necessarily care about him as much as i care about the jane foster character and so when they kill her off at the end like she dies and i'm like that's it's kind of a bummer it's like this she could have done so much more like are they gonna bring her back now like she's in valhalla whatever um it it, 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 i almost feel like they did that because you know, uh, um, Natalie Portman wants to just move on from this franchise, and they just gave her the this swan song sort of a movie. But like, I just felt kind of let down that that she dies in the end, sort of. So thing. I didn't get Spoiler far story. enough in the comics to to a hundred percent say. I don't remember what the the deal is, um, except to say that she does in fact die in the comics from it too. Yeah. So that's one of the things where, like, actually, if anything, the Mighty Thor story arc in this is actually pretty true to not exactly how it happened in the comics, but pretty true to the nature of how it happened, which is that she gets Mjolnir and uh, it's it's keeping her alive. But any time she's using it, it's like her body can't fight the cancer and eventually like she does die from it in the comics. And I think this is where they were leading in with like that little after this credit scene she is brought back to life and then takes on the persona of Valkyrie, um, which is interesting because we have a Valkyrie in in this, but, you know, not that there couldn't be another or whatever, um, but she becomes a, like a, a Valkyrie that like uh, Odin like revives Secret her or whatever. Wars. So I think we can still see her. I don't know that she's gone. I think that they, they put that tag in for a reason. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of like what is Valhalla and like what, you know, What's kind of the extended sort of thing from that? I think, honestly, looking at things like Eternals um, and things like that, I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more of like what is like the cosmic godhood sort of thing going on. Celestial stuff. Yeah, and, and, like, yeah. and like sort of what are the rules of that? I think we're going to start seeing, you know, more of the multidimensional stuff like is Asgard, uh, not Asgard, Valhalla, like a different dimension sort of thing. You know, so I think we're going to start to see – some of those things lead in, which I think can lead to some really interesting stuff in the MCU. Um, but um, I digress. So uh, again, I think the movie on the whole works. I think 
they probably sat back over at Marvel HQ and said, you know, we've got a lot of really serious characters. We've got Captain America's. We've got like all these sort of things that we're doing these, you know, branched off movies with that are playing serious. I think they said to themselves, you know, there's another crowd out there that isn't all like, you know, like, I want to punch you with my shield and I'm going to hit you with my Iron Man armor. You know, like, and they, they were looking at that and going like, how could we bring in some other people? And I think that they decided that Thor being like a very like silly over the top kind of, you know, like, you know, type of character, especially where he comes from, the way he talks, things like that, that they could do something like this with him and kind of take it in that direction. To your point, I think sometimes it goes a little too far in the silliness. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I I have like a love-hate relationship like with the scene towards the end where the children that were kidnapped from Asgard are all empowered with the power of Thor and, and you know, kind of take on like the, you know, the shadow creatures. Um, because as with any superhero movie, like you always start raising the question of like, God, if he could have done this, like when he was fighting Thanos, like why didn't he give, you know, Captain America and Iron Man and everybody this power, you know, and you could start to like go down a rabbit hole of like, well, maybe he didn't know he could do that until he figured out that, you know, he said protect Jane to Mjolnir and it, you know, took on that thing. Maybe, you know, now that Odin has died, he has the power to do something like that. I, I mean, you could fall down a rabbit hole for these sort of things. So you always have to kind of just take it at the face value, which is like, I watched that scene in the theater and I was like, this is silly, but I'm going to show this to my daughter Zoe in a couple of weeks. And she's going to think this is the best thing she's ever seen. And so I showed it mm. to her and she thought it was the best thing she's ever seen, you know? And so like, that's where that the comes in. And again, like, I hate that argument. Like, you know, people like will be like, you know, oh, you know, Star Wars is dumb and has Jar Jar Binks because it's for kids. And I hate that because, you know, like as a you know kid, I love Star Wars as an adult. I love Star Wars. So I, you know, I don't feel like there has to be that distinction, but you can see things like that get put in there and you're like a child, like a 10 year old watching this movie is going to see that and think that's the coolest thing ever. You know what I mean? So I I think that movies like this is Marvel trying to broaden who can come in and, and participate and see a Marvel movie. I think it's going to make some people mad because they want to see that character kind of stay like how Thor is expected to stay. But um, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was very silly and worked for me. I'm really um, curious. What is the next step? Like, where are they going to go from here? You know, they sort of, left things off in a bad way that like he kind of challenged Zeus and challenged the gods. And we also get that tag that we realize that Zeus is still alive. Um, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I saw on YouTube a deleted scene that like really changes the whole movie where like him and Russell Crowe are like walking and like Russell Crowe's like teaching him how to use the Thunderbolt. And he like gives it to him. And I'm like, wow, they went a very different direction than when it came to, um, you know, what they ultimately ended up doing with the movie. So, uh, you know, I I see why that was deleted. Absolutely. Sometimes you see deleted scenes and you're like, why'd they get rid of that? Maybe it's a pacing thing. Maybe it's this, this one was clearly like, wow, they changed the whole narrative at this, of this movie at some point, you know? Um, So I, I don't know. I'm really curious to see kind of next steps. Um, I will say this is another spoiler. Um, so put on your spoiler ears for a minute. Another one of the after credit tags 
was the reveal of Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso as Hercules. Um, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And again, I don't know. Surprising casting, but, but well, great. Su- surprising, way. but incredible. Like, <laughs> I, like forget great, incredible. I, as soon as I got privy to Ted Lasso, which took me until like the second le- season was airing to do, um, oh, I, yeah, I, I was, I, I just, I didn't know. I mean, like I love Jason Sudeikis, but I was like, you know, it was pitched to me as like, Oh, Jason Sudeikis is coaching an English football team. And I'm just like, okay. You know, like it just didn't sound like whatever man was I wrong, man is Ted Lasso. One of the greatest shows that's come out in the past 10 years. Um, yeah, I can't show. wait for the next season, but, um, Brett Goldstein is one of my absolute favorite things to come out of Ted Lasso and for him to be cast in this role. And so like with this in mind, right? Like, so like you have the guardians of the galaxy, which are definitely like, kind of like kind of silly characters trending, silly Thor is trending silly now. And now they've put in Brett Goldstein, who's like this, like just ridiculous, like hard edged comedic force in Ted Lasso as this Hercules character. I, I just am dying to see like Hercules versus Thor and like what that pans out to. And, you know, presumably Hercules joining the new Avengers that is clearly coming down the pipe here with She-Hulk and things like that, you know? So it's interesting. They're obviously taking a little bit of a lighter tone to some of these things. And I don't know how that's going to affect stuff. I mean, I will say, you know, like if you look back at comics history, comics are serious until, it doesn't work. And then they become silly for a while until that doesn't work. And then it becomes serious again for a while until that doesn't work. That's the history of comics. That's how it always goes. Yeah. Um, you know, and they keep reinventing a character by sort of shaking up, you know, what makes it interesting or good. Um, so maybe they feel like they did this like big dramatic, you know, soap opera arc through the end of the infinity saga. And maybe now this next, you know, portion, they're going to start doing things a little bit lighter, a little bit different, who knows? We'll, we'll have to see. But um, I, I think it's interesting. And again, if they can keep it good, if they can keep bringing in directors and people that kind of, you know, can make something funny in a, in a way, but it also furthers the, the story and the arc, then that's fine by me. But, um, you know, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have done that really well. Um, I think the first one's better than the second one, but kind of that like, you know, hard edged humor um, while getting something serious done. It's kind of like a perfect, like, chocolate and peanut butter combo, you know? It's like they're both good on their own, but they're better together sort of thing. Um, so I, I kind of hope they can do some more of that um, over time, but we'll see. Yeah, we, we shall see. I mean, overall, I'll give it a B. I, again, I, I I think this one's high up there for me. I'd give it, like, an A to A minus, you know, like... I, I, I think it uh, I think it worked, but I can see where it doesn't work for some people. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this review. You got a bonus review in there that we weren't sure you'd get. So look at that. Fancy. <laughs> now, now, what do we got coming up for October of 1992? I've got it pulled up here, and I'm going to recommend <laughs> these I always have to double check your people. list, though, because somehow you always manage to pull up one that's like not in the order that we usually use. So, so let's see what you've got. <laughs> so, I know which one I want to win. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I know which one you want to win. Um, so, of the October releases, the movies that I'm going to put as the list that people can be voted on for is 
Under Siege, The yes. Mighty Ducks, Hero, and Mr. Baseball. You're not even going for sneakers, huh? It's a September release, and there's, and there's four pretty solid movies that did very well in the box office. So I wasn't I will, sure if you were going to skip Hero or Mr. Baseball for that, because you seemed to really want to try and get that one in there last time. But Well, uh, well he, Hero is a horrible movie, but nobody's going to beat Mighty Ducks, I think. <laughs> it just just going to be the way the, the following and the fans are going to pick. I know it. So I'm not even going to bother putting sneakers in there because they're not going to have a chance. Ducks fly together. Quack. 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 <laughs> Quack. Quack, 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 quack. Come on, Michael. All right. Don't well, sway the audience that's, already. That's where I'm leaning. So we'll see where the vote goes. But uh, I will get that uh, pull up in the coming days. And as usual, um, thank you guys so much for voting on that. We always look forward to where those polls go, whether it leads us down the rabbit hole on something we love or, or something that we're going to struggle through. So we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, no, that sounds good to me. Uh, tell them where they can find us, Michael. So you guys can find us on our social media. If you go to Twitter, it's at boxoffice30, and Facebook is the same as boxoffice30. On the Instagrams, it's boxoffice, T-H-I-R-T-Y. You can go to our boxoffice30.com website. You can check us out on whatever podcasting platform you listen to, and you can go to our T Public store and get some cool merch. Speaking of merch, I got to shout out Jason from the Retro Network for sending us some really Really awesome stickers that I can't wait to share and post and just stick on places that are going to annoy people, but it's going to be there, so they'll know where we're at. Mailman came so, during this podcast, so I got to go see if they've uh, gotten here yet. <laughs> they arrived for me yesterday, and they're, they're pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. And as always, we want to thank Jason and Mickey of the Retro Network for giving us a platform to talk about Captain Ron and all these other crazy movies and. Probably next month, talk about the Mighty Ducks. Let's just call a spade a spade here. And, you know, there's a lot of great content. And, you know, thank you again to our sponsor for the month of October and for HalloweenCostumes.com. And check out that promo code, which what is it again, Pete? It is TRN Halloween 2022. So if you want to get 20% off your entire order for HalloweenCostumes.com, Use our Retro Network promo code and save yourself some bucks. If you want to get a couple's costume, have at it. <laughs> yes, Wob. All right, friends. We will see you. Uh, see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, if we get lost, we'll just pull in somewhere and ask for directions. Swab. of the Retro Network.